Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. But before I get started, I want to give a shout out to Mudgear, makers of the best training and racing gear in OCR. Mudgear was the first compression gear built tough enough to help you conquer obstacles. When you race this season, look on the podium. You'll see top pros wearing Mudgear. Built tougher for OCR and made in the USA. Nothing else compares on the course. Check it out at mudgear.com and use my promo code DHP for a 10% discount off your order. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. All right, here we are. I'm back doing another podcast. I know I've done a few quick back-to-back ones, but uh, this is something that I'm very, very excited about because to me is an opportunity to show some support to some guys that are doing a great job. And I want to introduce you to, to Brian Carney, who is the CEO founder of Bone Frog. Brian, say hello to folks. Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm pleased to have you. Bonefrog has been on my radar. I've been paying attention to your events and just everything about what you're doing just resonates with me. And I'm so pleased that a grassroots organization like Bonefrog is in the sport and doing well and thriving right now. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we're what we're all about. Uh, you hit on it, grassroots. Um, I started this right out of the SEAL teams. And trying to bring, you know, that experience, that knowledge that I have of obstacle courses to the racers. And I think uh, when people do run Bone Frog, that's where they see the differences between us and a lot of different races out there. Well, I was listening to a podcast a while back where you were discussing basically your coming up and uh, how you got started and all this. And it was real cool stuff. This was a couple years back. And back then, I think you were talking about having six events, and now it looks like you have about 10 events on the calendar? Yeah, well, we did 10 events last year. Um, we cut it back to nine events this year because we're doing the um, you know, the World Championship event up in uh, Vermont in August. Oh, cool. Now, let's kind of, just for those that don't know about your races, let's talk about the opportunities. I understand there's essentially a short course, basically a middle distance course and then a longer course. So can you kind of shed some light on how this is all set up? Yeah, it can be a little daunting. Um, I'll try to make it real simple. We actually offer five different races at every single bone frog event. The first one is our sprint and that's our three miles, uh, 20 plus obstacles. Our next one up is the challenge and that's six miles and 30 obstacles, you know, we give or take, we do, we typically do more than what we, what we say the number is. And then we have our tier one, which is nine miles and uh, 50 obstacles. So those are our typical distances. On top of that, we offer our endurance race, which is the challenge first, followed by as many sprint laps as you can in eight hours. Wow. And then we also offer a kid's course every race. The kids course, we do a quarter mile and a half mile. Those five things uh, at every every race, in theory, is supposed to 
offer up you know, a distance and a level of bone frog for really every athlete out there. Do these events operate simultaneously? They do. They're all at the you know same courses on the same day. Um, our elite waves start off at 8.30 in the morning, and then our open waves start at 9 a.m., and um, we run waves every 15 minutes throughout the day. Kids course does uh, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and our endurance race, they go off with the first races of the day, and um, they can start their last lap at 2 p.m. So they can really be out there till, you know, there is really no time cut off for the endurance racers, although they have to start their last lap at 2 p.m. And how long have you been doing that? I, I wasn't even aware of that. Uh, we just started uh, the endurance race at our premier race in New England here. Uh, it's, the, it's the first race we ever held back in 2013, and that's the one in Massachusetts. Last year, I believe our Massachusetts race was our third event of the se- fourth event of the season, and uh, that's the race we started off. So May of May of 2017 is when we started introducing our endurance race, and from there it's really taken off. I was even surprised that there was enough of a market out there for this type of racing, but it was brought to us from multiple sources where they people were asking for for an endurance option, and uh, we kicked it around and wanted to refine it. And, you know, we don't want to do anything kind of half-assed. So we perfected it, uh, went through all the uh, trials. And then, like I said, launched it officially uh, May of last year. And uh, since then, it's becoming, you know, really popular race of ours uh, distance-wise. Now, how many miles are we seeing people finish up in this eight hours? Um, Almost every single race, we have at least a few people that do a marathon. Or more. Uh, the most distance we've ever seen at any one race was 33 miles. And I believe that was at our New Jersey race last year. Obviously, venue terrain dependent uh, can offer up, you know, a different style course and how really how hard it is. Because we we unveiled it at our New England race, that's on a ski resort. And that did not get a lot of distance. The, what, what we do for kind of labeling people of what they've done and accomplished is for every sprint lap you do beyond the challenge, you get a frog pin. It's a, the head of our, our logo, ahead of the frog, and it's a green pin. And it goes on your, uh, on your lanyard for your, your medal. Oh, nice. If you, do your, if you complete a fifth lap of the sprint, then you get the gold frog pin. So you have four greens and one gold. A lot of people out there are going for that gold pin because it separates them from the pack. I mean, people have one, two, three gold, green pins, but you know, one gold is kind of what seems to be the, you know, the go the go after item. Our first race ever, we had a lot of people toting on social media that they're gonna, you know, get the green pin or the gold pin, and they're gonna be going for two gold pins and whatnot. In our first race that we unveiled that, like I said, at the ski resort, nobody got it, and uh, seemed to be a little bit of a soul crusher for some people internally to our company we even you know talked about it and said have we have we made this thing too too hard is it too unattainable you know if, you, if there's something really that no one can achieve or within grasp then is it something that you know makes a lot of sense didn't really want to make a a sweeping change we kind of want to see how things played out a little longer before we had a real uh, understanding of it all and the very next race in New Jersey, I think we had six people get the gold pin. Wow! So that's where I—that's where I mean that New Jersey is a the venue we were at was um, a very flat track. 
almost no elevation whatsoever. We utilize the the swamps and the water as much as we can to change it up from just flat running, but in no way is it going to compare to a ski resort. And um, that's where we saw so many people get the gold pin. And we said, okay, well, we're not going to really get to change this thing up as much as we are. People are just going to have to almost kind of what venue is going to work best for them. You know, Jersey's a hotbed for OCR. I, I found that, um, well, just back in December, I did two clinics back-to-back and pretty much hosted by the Spartan 4.0 folks and uh, great people. And you guys know who I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. uh, I was uh, I was in Jersey and, you know, we talked about my coming out that way. And generally I get these calls and I'm a little... I'm a little held back. I I don't just jump and get excited right off that somebody wants me to show up because I know that, you know, it's one thing to have conversations, a whole other thing to pull it off. And uh, they're saying, well, would you be willing to stick around and, and go to Philadelphia, you know, the following weekend? I said, well, let, let's just kind of get this first one worked out before we start worrying about the second one. And lo and behold, we sold out both of those events inside of about 48 hours. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, these people out here really are serious about this stuff. So I could see where if any place there's going to be some gold pins taken, it would be in that Jersey area. No doubt about it. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, it's like you said, the, the people there are phenomenal. Um, and the racing community is really strong there. Um, but it also just geographically, it's it's a relatively easy area to get to. People, people like to travel north up from uh, south on the East Coast, and people don't mind from the north going down south to it. So we see a lot of uh, a lot of traveling people to that race, too, which is nice. So how did Talladega go? Talladega went phenomenal. We really, really, really like the people there that uh, run the facility, own the facility. We do a lot of events down the East Coast, and venue to venue changes from kind of the interaction you have with the venue itself and the people at Talladega uh, that work there and, you know, all that, they're incredible. And it makes it really, you know, treat for us to go down there. But regardless of the venue itself, uh, the race race went great. Um, we doubled our numbers from 2017 to 2018, which is, you know, great reinforcement for us that the people like the race down there and they like what we're doing. And we already have, already have intentions of going back next year and, you know, do it bigger and better than we did this year. But we have new obstacles this year. We have three really kind of showcase obstacles. They're, you know, aluminum trussing and they offer different items. They're not just all the same, like monkey bars or whatnot. And things like that make it, if we just brought bone frog back from, you know, one year to the next and really didn't change it up too much. I think, um, yeah, I, th- I still think it'd be relatively well received, but changing it up, new obstacles, a uh, little new course layout, utilizing the best the best that these venues have to offer, and weeding out the areas that we think we could have done better from the year prior is what it's all about. So you know, I have to tell you that um, I have a client that I'm working with right now that participated in your event. Oh, really? Yeah, and she didn't know that you and I were working on a relationship. And um, I asked her, I said, so how did Talladega go? And she said, well, you know, it was great. She said, um, except for one thing, I somehow or another got off course 
and ended up having to run an extra three miles. And she said, I was a little upset about that, but the interesting thing about it was, since I've been working with you, I was able to run the nine miles or whatever it was without any issue at all. And uh, it's the best run I've had in a long time. And my husband even said that he'd never seen me run that way. And I said, well, what did you think about the organization? What did you think about the, the event at large? She goes, well, they were great. And she goes, you know, the best part about it was that after the event, I, I was a little chafed about having to go that extra distance. And I, I went to talk to the race organizers and they were very, very conscientious and took the time to listen to my complaint. And I could see that they were very sincere about trying to make sure that this type of thing doesn't happen. And just commonly, she felt that, that the organization and, and the obstacles and the whole thing were better than anything she's ever participated in. So I was kind of backdooring, trying to see what, what other people thought about the event. So it was, it was a happy moment for me to hear that someone had such a good experience with you. That's just good stuff. I like to hear that. Well, thank you. I mean, that's that's exactly what we're going for. I mean, we're always striving for perfection, but when people do bring issues to us, whether it's you know an isolated incident that just happened to that one person or something that multiple people kind of went the wrong way or just in that scenario, we address each one with importance. And uh, we just do that naturally, I think, just as a human trait and the kind of people we have. But to hear the feedback that people, you know, realize that, or um, they they know that that's they even they just they highlight it just a little bit. It's it's nice to know. It's definitely a good uh, good feedback. So your your calendar's growing, and I know you and I spoke a little while ago about your being out in Texas once upon a time, and the struggle it is to get that far out away from your your home camp, given the nature of the size of your business, and you run a tight ship. You ever have any designs of actually getting out to the West Coast? Yeah. When we started Bonefrog back in really 2012, if you had asked me our plan, I guess, for five years or so, I would have said it the same as I say it now. You know, little things have changed. But regardless, our plan has always been uh, we started out in New England and we really wanted to kind of hone our race and dial it in here and then take it on the road within the first first two years, which is what we did. From there, we wanted to blanket the East Coast, which we've done. And then once that's done, and once we're kind of concreted in those markets, and we have a really strong base of operations, at that point, we would start pushing West. And that still remains the plan. We're down the East Coast now between Massachusetts, actually from Buffalo, all the way down to Florida. And now, uh, this is our second year hitting those repeat markets to just kind of, like I said, lock those in. And now the plan here is to start moving west. So 2019, our general goal is Chicago down to Texas. Move Bonefrog out to that that phase line, if you will. And then once we kind of done what, what we've done here on the East Coast, is locked all that in and gained our ground then take another stab at growing towards the West Coast. So in the next few years, I think it's very, very, very possible and very feasible that you'll see us on the West Coast. But, you know, with that grassroots and how we've started and everything that's kind of worked for us, trials and tribulations, we are very apprehensive about growing too fast and jeopardizing all the hard work we've put into 
our races and and the brand we've built. So therefore, you know, I know I know we get a lot of requests and feedback and people, you know, asking when, when, you know, when we be out to San Diego, when we'll be out to Las Vegas and whatnot. And we don't mean by any means to um to snuff those people out or silence them. Like, hey, it's just the reality of it is we're just moving at the pace that we can sustain our quality. And that's exactly what we're doing. So patience will uh <laughs> Definitely bring us out that way. Welcome to the club. That's exact. That's exactly my model. I get <laughs> I get requests all the time for for me to come to various parts of the country, the world, actually, and and uh, there's just so much I can do, and so I totally appreciate that uh, that approach. And yeah. Obviously, if anything, we learn from the the group that fell off the radar. Yep. You know what I'm talking about. Right. Right. Yeah, they got a little too big for the britches, and it cost them. And it just you, you know, even with the big wallet that they were they were thumping, that just didn't work out. So, exactly, and it, it, that shows too that you know, if you believe you have all the right things in place, if you're not reinforcing that and and double checking everything, then it can creep up on you. And that's that's one thing we're trying to do well as well. I mean, yes, we're growing. Yes, we're we're doing a lot of positive things. We. If you know, people came around bone frog two years ago to what they've, what we are doing now, I think people would be see explosive growth, and that's what it looks like on the outside. However, we are very calculated in everything we do. From the company you're referring to, you know, just because you, it, it looks like you have everything in place, we want to be cognizant of anything creep up. <laughs> well, heck, for, you know, to be honest, there was a couple of big organizations that fell off the map. Yeah, in a very quick time, and they were well funded, so mm -hmm. I understand. One of the things that I wanted to talk about that I really, really enjoy about what you're doing is how you set up your penalties that are unique to the individual obstacles, as opposed to you fail a rig or something, and then it's automatically thirty burpees. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, when we started Bone Frog, we obviously did our homework of what other races are doing out there, and um, one case in point is how Spartan Race does their their burpees for every obstacle, thirty burpees. That obviously works for them, and that uh, you know that's that's what people come to know of Spartan. However, we're always looking to change things up and do things differently, uh, not you know not fall in line with what every other company is doing out there. And we also listen to what uh, what the racers and what the community wanted, and taking that information in. We decided to really not not go with that 30 burpee mentality, but change up our penalties per obstacle. And what we are trying to accomplish with that is a really well-rounded individual. You know, whether you're really good at the obstacles or doing the penalties themselves, you're not just going to focus on doing one thing really well. And unfortunately, with Spartan, that seems to be, you know, what we see a lot is that people can really, really get really good at uh, burpees, but that's just one exercise. You know, people come, you know, stay out there. Well, it's multiple exercise into one. And yes, that's true. However, with us, we have our obstacles and our penalties change. Some of them are 25 to 30 push-ups for a penalty. Other ones are air squats and sit-ups and et cetera, et cetera. I won't go into all of them, but we have a lot of different variations of different uh, calisthenics and really what what we did in the military. And anyways, it, it changes it up. I think it uh it keeps people more well-rounded and also doesn't become so mundane as you run the course. I mean, like, oh, I filled another obstacle or, I, you know, I know these three in a row I'm probably not going to be able to do. So just count me up for 60 burpees. Um, we'd rather have it all all different and 
you're feeling a lot more well-rounded at the end of the course. Like, wow, I, I got a full body beat up. I think it's a great idea. And especially if the penalty is kind of common straight with the type of obstacle they failed, as opposed to just this generic, okay, you didn't do it. So you, are, you almost start wrapping your head around how long it's going to take you to finish those burpees, where you may not know what the penalty is going to be when you reach that point in the game and then have to face it. So I think it's a good idea. Thank you. We don't just drop any penalty at any obstacle. Time and effort goes into planning it all out. And what we're trying to do with the penalty is match the obstacle and, and kind of what that obstacle is doing to you physically. You know, what the muscles you're using to get over that obstacle, we're trying to ignite those same uh, muscles with the penalty as well as the time it takes. So we don't want people saying, well, I'll just do the penalties because I can do, you know, 20 push-ups uh, faster than I can do this obstacle. We would essentially raise the the amount of those push-ups or, you know, in that scenario to to match the time it would take a general person to go over that obstacle. Very cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the military background. And I know that you are essentially a retired Navy SEAL if there's such a thing. Former. Uh, retired, you'd have to do 20 years, and I did 30. Yeah, I apologize for that. I, and the reason I brought it up is you and I discussed it, that my son is uh, currently in the military. He's with the 160th. He's a Night Stalker. Yeah, that's awesome. You probably were in Afghanistan around the same time. Yeah. Which could very well be that he's giving you a ride here or there. Yeah, I, I think it's there's a really good possibility of it. Um, <laughs> we had a, a, a little segue story, but... Before I was going off to Afghanistan for one of my deployments, my uh, my wife and, and her family, her her father worked with a lady whose son was also going to Afghanistan, and he was a helicopter pilot. He drove, uh, he flew the the Little Birds, and um, anyways, they just kind of told me, like, "Oh, he's going to be over there too." And you know, it's a vast country, and a lot of a lot of guys over there, so didn't really take take it to heart by any means. Went over there, did my thing, but we were uh, we were in a firefight and just. Trade and led with the enemy, and uh, air supports overhead. And uh, guy guy calls over the radio after he just did a run, and um, he's like, "Hey, is is Brian down there?" <laughs> We're on the radio, We're like, uh, "Yeah." He's like, "Hey, tell him, you know, blah blah from back home said hi." I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Uh, small world. That's funny. And the reason I even brought it up is because you know, you apparently you spent 13 years and. My son is up on 10 looking at reenlistment for maybe another year because they're, you know, you know how they hold the carrot out there when you get close. Yeah. And um, I was listening to your story about how you started developing bone frog before you even rotated out, kind of an exit strategy on a wing and a prayer for, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And, um, I looked at that and I thought, you know, my son really needs to get out. It's time for him to get out. He's been pretty busy over the 10 years he's been in. And the helicopters are rough on you, you know. These guys spend so many hours in those helicopters. It's rough on their backs. And right. I'd like to see him get out of it, you know. And, and I think that part of it is, yeah, I'm sure you're familiar, that these guys are fearful of what's what's on the outside and whether they're going to be able to, you know, land on their feet. And so I just think it's a cool story that you were able to, to jump out and do this and have uh, such a passion for what you're doing now. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
when I was in Afghanistan and we were very busy over there, I wasn't sitting there night and day being like, what am I going to do on the outside? It was more of, uh, you know, we were over there for quite a long deployment and, um, I was running through ideas in my head of, you know, what if, what if I, you know, what does it look like if I, if I do get out after this deployment, uh, obviously what does it look like if I stay in what if I, you know, I ran through about a billion different uh, options and, um, you know, looking back and I, I know I've said it before that I essentially started bone frog while I was over there. That's not necessarily true. It was just more so that I conceptualized the idea and, I like to kind of plan things out. There's the, it's the military me or whatnot, but plan things out about a hundred times over, shoot holes in the plan and whatnot. And that's what I did. And when I came back from that deployment, I felt like I had already kind of been doing this for a while because I've sp- spent so much time thinking about it. And regardless, when, when I came back from the deployment and I was uh, contemplating either staying in or, or getting out or doing different things, I ultimately made the decision uh, for my family and just for where I was career-wise, that it was the, it was the right move for me. Got out and I left the military on a Friday, and Monday morning I was cranking with Bone Frog and essentially off and running. So it's nice. It's nice that it seems to you know it's worked out well. We're five years in right now. Things are are growing really well for us. And just looking back, it's just it's kind of solidifies that I made the right decision. Have you thought about? And I'm sure you have, but it, it occurred to me, and I wanted to just ask you, as you grow the brand around the country, putting some effort towards enlisting veterans as they come out? Yeah, I mean, I've put a lot of, a lot of thought into that. Uh, that was actually one of my, you know, one of my key ideas when I did start this is that in the SEAL teams, when you're active duty in the SEAL teams or and actually on a SEAL, uh, an actual SEAL team, I know it's a lot of people don't understand the, the way it all works, but in the SEAL teams, there's about 2,500 active duty SEALs at any one time, but only 500 of those are operators. And those 500 guys are who is actually on a SEAL team. The other 2,000 are essentially in support roles. You know, they're working at the Pentagon or there's a, there's a laundry list of other jobs. Uh, the point of my, my rant here is in the SEAL teams, we traveled a, um, a ton. And when I made the decision to get out, it was to start a family and settle down a little bit. So therefore, if I got into this job and just expected to travel as much as I did there, it wouldn't be a great step forward. So when I first started this, my one of my first big ideas was grow this brand, build the basis for what Bonefrog is, the courses, you know, all of that. But then I almost want to, I guess the lack of better terms, but franchise out to other SEALs. I'm replicating what SEALs did for obstacles and for train for combat. But really, you know, a lot of SEALs out there could do this same type of thing. I'm just be giving them the, the guidance, I guess, of how to do it this way. So my hope going forward in the next five, 10 years, et cetera, is that we're going out to the West Coast and we're going up to, say, Washington State and et cetera, et cetera, all around the country, is that uh, SEALs, you know, I'm friends with and know from the military and, you know, buddies of mine, they could almost be spearheading those those races from that area. One thing that I can definitely equate to is I'm from New England, born and raised here, uh, went off to the military from here, and I came back to here after I got out. 
our New England race, it's not that surprising, is our biggest race. They call it our pinnacle race. And the reason being is because we're from here. We, we can spend so much time perfecting it and, and doing different things that you really can't do on the road. You can't, can't go down to Florida and spend, spend a year down there just to understand that one venue. So therefore, off of that mentality, you know, guys from their own respective areas, whether it be San Diego or Chicago or whatnot. Yeah, I, I completely get what you're saying. And I think it's a, it's a marvelous idea because essentially it's an outreach, you know, it, it, and I guess the term, and it, you know, it seems like a pun, but the term is like boots on the ground. You got guys that are in the area that have the ability, the knowledge and capacity to carry out the mission for you. And you put them to work, basically, and they become uh, an extension of your brand. And I, I would think that, if anything, rather than trying to load up the truck and try to do a cross-country jaunt, you get these guys fortified on the West Coast or wherever it might might be. I mean, I'm sure there's guys in the Midwest and, and the South that would, would jump at an opportunity to have a relationship with an organization like yours, especially being veterans. To me, that, that would be such a cool way to expand the brand. I'm starting to sound like your PR arm already. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's, it, has, it has a deeper meaning to me, too. I mean, obviously, went from high school into the SEAL teams into this. Therefore, a lot of my, a lot of my passion still, still is in the teams, and I would do anything for those guys. I understand that not everyone out there can take the risks that, that I have with starting this company. You know, it is a it is a scary thing to start a business, and not everyone's in the position to to do that. And now that kind of I've I've laid the groundwork and the foundation for this, I think it's a lot less risky for guys to do that. And if I can be hiring other veterans, and yes, would I prefer a SEAL to run a a, a Bone Frog event because of their their connection to the teams and whatnot? That would be my first choice. But by no means do I turn away veterans. Almost everyone on our staff for our, our build crew are veterans already. And I think that shows in what we, the, what we do at our races and the course we're putting on. So I'm only looking to kind of grow in that direction. Uh, to what I know. It speaks to me. I, I speak language the guys speak. And, um, and as we grow and whatnot, I don't foresee me being able to do 100 races a year because I would have no family life. I wouldn't be able to spend time with my own kids and family. But if guys can be running uh, bone frogs in different various areas and I'm, you know, putting my knowledge into it and helping them grow those, I think it's a win-win. Well, there's definitely an opportunity to franchise the brand. And uh, I think that you get these guys as interns, have them come out and help you build your races to learn the trade. And, and then they go back to their respective areas and then put it together for you. And then collectively, you all benefit from it. I think it's great. Have you thought? Thank you. Have you thought about doing um, like a training camp? I, I know you got plenty of stuff on your plate, and you you run a pretty tight crew. But have you thought about doing like training camps? You know, all these other brands are coming out with these certified coaches and, and and jazz like that. But have you thought about like maybe having kind of an instructional camp where people could come, maybe attend a few days, where it's not in a competitive environment, but basically here's how to do these things. Have you ever thought of that? We have. I can say we haven't figured it out yet. You know, just even just my connection with you, this is kind of what we're hoping for, for the you and I working together with Bonefrog and you know, through Richard is 
there's a lot of people out there that are looking to train for a bone frog and for these harder events. You know, I don't hear a lot of feedback of people that are, you know, how do I train for a warrior dash or a rugged maniac? And not to say those things are extremely easy, but regardless, more people are out there trying to do these harder events like ours uh, that, that want the training is what I'm saying. Yeah. And yeah. when we figured out or tried to, how do we do trainings? The hard part again for us is we're not everywhere. We're constantly moving around the country for our races right now. And it seems like wherever wherever people want the training or want help is where we are not. Obviously, it'd be really simple if we were, we were home in New England and we had someone call us and say, "Yo, know, I'm 20 miles away. What do I do to train? Or do you guys put on camp? It's like, well, that's feasible. It, it never works that easy. No. You know, we're in New England. We get a phone call from Florida or we're, you know, our next race is in Texas, for instance, and someone's calling us from New Jersey. It's like, man, you know, and, and what race are you trying to train for and things like that. So therefore we haven't cracked that nut yet. Um, you know, we're not, we're not a national company yet, but, uh, with working with you and whatnot, we're looking to give people, uh, an avenue to, to go down, get the training they need. Uh, even though we're bowing our heads and say, we're, we just can't offer that just yet personally from a bone frog side. When I look at the, the scope of where the sport is going and the type of people that are participating in these events, they're very passionate and ambitious about the sport and they got a lot of heart, you know? I mean, one of the things that really drew me to the sport of OCR and away from other projects that I was involved in are the people. Because I've never gone anywhere, all, all over the country where I've gone and done the work I do, I've never gone and ran into a bad experience where the people were just kind of hard to deal with and and just, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Every place, I do. Every place I've gone, the people were great. I mean, I make friends, we're, you know, lasting friends where we still communicate, we, we, we talk back and forth. I got people coming to multiple clinics to... to get continuing education for lack of a better way of expressing it. And uh, it's just a great, great vibe. And uh, in this country, and I'm going to sound kind of, I don't know. I mean, I'm a veteran. I want to do what I can to support the guys that support this country. And when I found out what your background was and what you guys were all about, I said, uh, talked to Kristen. I said, get me involved with these guys. I want to, Hook me up with this guy. I, and, I, and I wore her out all day long. I said, I can feel this in my bones that this is what I need to be doing. I need to be working with these guys because they're putting on an event that is the type of event that I want to align myself with. These guys that are commercial brokerages, I mean, where they really lost touch, I think. You get to a place where you just lose touch with the masses and, and then just becomes big, big, big business. And the little guys get squashed and, and, and just decisions that are made that are not really potentially in the best interest of the, the participation. It's generally a business decision. It's like I, that stuff starts to, it's, it starts to lose its flavor, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. so you, you guys came up, I heard, I love the story about how you were kind of chasing down telephone poles to try to build your, your obstacles and, and railroad ties and, you guys basically stitched this thing together, you know, uh, hand on hand. And uh, the fact that you're able to travel around and have these many events around the country, pull them off, not just pull them off, but do a great job at it with half the crew, half the, the wallet, not even half the wallet that these big companies have. 
and do such a great job. It just speaks so highly of what you guys are doing. And I don't, I don't want to start sounding like I'm blowing smoke up your skirt, but I'm just telling you the damn truth. I, I, I got into this and I said, you know what? These guys got it going on. And, and anybody listening to this, if they're on the East Coast or if they're anywhere near and they're interested in obstacle course racing, they got to come out and do one of these races. They just got to do it. Thank you. I, um, I mean, it means a lot to me. And uh, thank you very much for saying that. That's when I was in the service, you know, a lot of people uh, come up to you and say, you know, thank you for your service. And you get it so much that, you know, you start hearing it uh, over and over. And the support is obviously huge. You get off, you get out of the military, you take your uniform off, and you you don't get that anymore. Uh, yeah, you get every once in a while from someone that knows you, but I'm not looking for the you know pat on the back for being in the military. What I am looking for is to do something military driven that still raises awareness for the troops and whatnot. Being that we're a SEAL race, I'm not saying you know go yay me for being a SEAL. It's I'm highlighting the SEAL teams, and I'm highlighting what guys um, guys train for. I'm not, you know, we're not giving away secrets, so it's not like any big thing here uh, with writing books or movies. But if people can still come to our events and feel the camaraderie, feel the you know the difference between a bone frog and a, a Spartan or a Tough Mudder, and know that that you know that is a Navy SEAL race, and they get that, then that's mission accomplished for me. I, I think I think that's what people are getting. But if that ever if that ever changes, and people are like, no. Bone Frog is just running the mill race, and I don't really feel the connection to the military anymore, or I don't see actual seals here and stuff like that. Then, then that'll be it. We'll uh, we'll probably throw the towel in the following day. Yeah. Well, I don't expect that's going to happen. I don't either. You know, uh, I got to tell you, my time in the military was during the Vietnam conflict. The type of experience that you guys have when you come home is completely different than what I dealt with. Uh, I used to go. To restaurants where there'd be in the window it would say no no dogs cats or or military um, hmm. you know just it was a completely different energy that people had complete disrespect for soldiers back then and uh, you know guys burning the draft cards and all that jazz back then right you know I, I walk around with my son when he was home people would stop you know he'd come home around Christmas and He'd be wearing his, his uniform and people would stop him and and thank him and thank me for for, for raising him. And it's like, wow, this is crazy. But I don't know. I just uh, I feel that sense of connection with the whole thing. And, and again, I, I, I don't want to come off too mushy with it, but I'm just saying, you know, I feel compelled to try to do the best I can to try to support a group like yours in the business that we're in. I don't know. It just just seems like okay. the right thing to do. I just got lucky, I feel like, and it's a, it was a great time. It is a great time to be in the military. Uh, the country as a whole is extremely supportive, and obviously times have changed for the better for the support of the troops. But it does – it's a constant effort, you know. I mean, people people that say support the troops and they're thanking veterans, it has to stay constant. It can't just be like, oh, well, this is this is what we're doing these days, but, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, that changes, whether because there's not really wars going on or things have died down doesn't mean the guys are doing any less or have any less commitment, in my opinion. Yeah. Let's get back to this calendar. We've got a race coming up here in April the 29th, which is Virginia Beach. Mm -hmm. And uh, right after that, you've got Claremont, Massachusetts. Is that right? Tar Charlemont. Uh, Charlemont. Uh, that's our premier one. That's our. That's the one in New England here. Oh, we are doing 
two races this year uh, in in Massachusetts, actually. But don't be confused. Our uh, our Charlemont is our the first you know the first race we ever held. That's our premier venue. That's the one of the ski resort. We're doing a first time event in Massachusetts out uh, in Central Mass in Barrie, Mass. Um, also, that's the first time I've ever held this event, though. That's not on a ski resort. So if people are wondering, you know, what's that one he keeps talking about, the, you know, the big one, that's our, our Charlemont race. Okay, so that's going to be the 19th of May. Yeah, Armed Forces Day. It's always, it's always on Armed Forces Day. Uh, it always has been ever since 2014. And in 2013, we actually did it on in September, and then we changed it. But more internal knowledge. Didn't you have uh, some Blackhawks drop some guys uh, on the course once upon a time? We did. Well, uh, just last year, we had uh, a Navy SEAL jump team jump into the race. They weren't Blackhawks. Um, they were supposed to be. And then uh, about two, three days before the race, uh, the pilots called and said they got pulled for another another thing that they had to do. So uh, the SEAL jump team just jumped out of a uh, regular jump plane. But that was last year. Uh, it was really cool. This year, uh, kind of a highlight for our big race is – and uh, I went to I went through SEAL training with uh, a Medal of Honor uh, guy who got the Medal of Honor later, uh, Michael Monsoor. And uh, he got the Medal of Honor for jumping on a grenade in Iraq um, and saving a bunch of his teammates. Him and I went through training together. They're commissioning a ship after him of the USS Michael Monsoor. And uh, the crew from the ship is forming up right now up in up in Maine. Uh, they haven't even gone to sea yet. But uh, the crew of the Michael Monsoor is coming down to our, our race in Charlemont in May on Armed Forces Day. And uh, they're going to be doing a big thing there. They're doing the color guard, the opening ceremonies, along with some other stuff. That's going to really highlight, again, you know, how important that one race is to us. It's our, it's our home race. It's, we can do, like I said, more with that because we are from here. But uh, there'll be other cool stuff along with that. But that's just kind of one, one thing to highlight. Wow. Trying to, I'm sitting here thinking where I'm going to be in May. I should try to get out there. Yeah, it's. I obviously have a connection to it, but you know, Western Mass isn't isn't really huge for people as far as the destination go. You know, it seems like there's more people who say, "Well, I can go to the Orlando race or the Talladega race, or even like you said, the New Jersey race because of you know the proximity to say New York City." But I got to tell you, if you're if you are looking at our calendar and you know, you're just picking a place off of what what you know geographically that sounds good to you. I would tell you if you're picking the races off the schedule, our New England race, May 19th, is our biggest and baddest race of the year because it's right here in our backyard and it's what we've perfected, I guess, for five years now. Uh, no other race that we have on our calendar has been a race that we've been doing for five years. You know, it's our second time to actually, that's our third time of Orlando, but our second time to this venue, second time to Talladega. And you kind of see more, you know, more along with other venues with our New England race up in Charlemont. This will be our sixth event there. And uh, we can just do more with that race because we, we know so much about the course now. And I think people really feel that. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like me doing work here. That home court advantage is always, always a plus. You know, Brian, I have to say that I'm very excited about the opportunity to be working with you guys and Obviously enough, this is early in the game, but we're gonna we're gonna shoulder up and we're gonna figure some stuff out and see if we can't just help to make your brand better and um, see what I can do to support you guys as best I can. For those that are listening, bonefrogchallenge.com. Go there, look at the 
details about the event, the guys that are putting it on, and look at the calendar and get into one of these races. And hopefully I'll see you at one of these races sometime in the near future. Thank you so much, Brian, for spending the time with me. Hey, Richard. I really, really appreciate it. And you know, I don't want to understate by any means how excited we are to work with you. So I think really, really good things come for between us, but also for the OCR community. And that's what we want all around. So it's going to be great. All right, brother. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.